Friends are a good tool to create some kind of social change. I've had people reach out to me saying that they've never thought about this until they kept seeing my work. You're listening to the Take Back Podcast, where women of color creatives come together to inspire, empower, and encourage each other. I'm Jess Pillay, an Indo-Fijian independent singer-songwriter. And I'm Angelica Dianda, a Mexican-American licensed mental health counselor and singer. And this is the podcast where we explore and elevate stories from women of color who are artists, musicians, actors, entrepreneurs, and so on, who are navigating and taking back systems designed against them. Welcome back to the Take Back Podcast. I am your host, Jess, and I'm here with Angelica. And this is the podcast where we talk about what it means to be women of color creatives who are navigating creative industries like art and music and all the things. We're so excited that you're joining us today. And Angelica, why don't you tell us who our guest was today? Yeah, today we talked with Manuela Guillen. Manuela is a freelance painter, muralist, and digital illustrator who currently resides in North Philadelphia. She was born in Miami to Cuban and Salvadorian immigrant parents. And it was very clear in her story that her love of art really started young and then flowed into adulthood. She has collaborated with local, national, and global art organizations. And you can find her murals in the U.S. and in Mexico. She's inspired by plants, tropical colors, the tropical environments that she grew up in, and her cultural upbringing. Manuela aims to bring awareness um, through art education, mental health, sociopolitical, and environmental issues. She's also an art teacher, and Manuela hopes to inspire her students to be creative as she also continues to bring her community and other communities closer together through her art. Well, Manuela, thank you so much for being here with us today on the Take Back podcast. We're so excited for our listeners to get to know you a little bit more and to hear um, just about your journey of being a creative. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So Manuela, one of the things that I was so excited uh, about connecting with you is that we both are Latinas. And you know, with the Latina community, it's such a broad and colorful and wonderful community um, with folks coming from all sorts of walk of life, but also just different backgrounds culturally. So can you tell um, our listeners a little bit more about your cultural upbringing and your experience as a daughter of immigrants and how that shaped you as you approach your creative craft? Yeah, so I'm a first-generation American. Um, I do think there's definitely a lot of elements to who I am, a lot of subcultures, but like the most identifiable is that I am a daughter to Cuban and Salvadorian parents. I also grew up in a lot of tropical settings. Like I lived in Miami, Florida, um, but like not really like cool Miami that people think of. Like (laughs) I'm from Hialeah and Homestead and Sweetwater. So it's like a different culture than the tourist area. And I also lived in Dominican Republic um, when I was a child. Um, My dad had work over there. So yeah, like as an artist, in the beginning for me, it was a coping mechanism. I used it as a way to kind of heal with some trauma impact, but also it was like a way for me to communicate because where I grew up, I was like always told to keep personal matters to myself and mm-hmm. not to talk about it and just like be strong. So I witnessed a lot of 
just like, again, like trauma impacted stuff that I wanted to talk about it, but I wasn't allowed to, or I, like my, like my family said, it was just like, I had to suck it up. Yeah. So I used art to kind of communicate with, with how, how I was feeling. Yeah, it it started as a coping mechanism as a child, preteen, especially like sixth grade. I remember specifically mm-hmm. like always being in the art room, even skipping lunch just to hang out in the art room. And then up to high school was like that. But then when I went when I went to college um, and I started taking my craft a little bit more serious, I went to school for painting and I decided to start to like to tell my story, like story of immigrants um, mm-hmm. that my family went through. And at first, I didn't think that it was anything special. But as soon as I started you know, when you're in, in a BFA program and painting, like you, you always have to share your work with the class. So I started discussing it. And then, yeah, like a lot of people, like for the first time, were just hearing this story or like they were like learning to understand like the immigrant experience. So both my parents came here undocumented. It took my mom a while to get her papers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I started making these paintings that told their story of how they got here and then like how, what they experienced in their home country from like um, extreme poverty mm-hmm. to famine and like illness to also like the beauty as well, like living in like the most beautiful tropical places and then coming to cities like Miami where they ended up working jobs in like tourist areas or they worked in the fields or they Mm -hmm. worked in I mean they worked a bunch of jobs like my mom was also like and housekeeping and sewing clothes and like just a bunch of random stuff but I remember like I started using my paintings to kind of tell that story um and then my sister's stories and like it, it was pretty it was pretty neat So, yeah, I think my cultural background has played a role in how I create. Um, And even till this day, like even my color palettes and like the settings I choose, like it's still rooted in like my earliest memories of living in these tropical settings Mm -hmm. like Miami and Dominican Republic. Yeah. So who are some of the artists that you looked up to while you were growing up? Oh, my gosh. They're so basic now that I think about it. But <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah, I was like introduced to like all like I suppose like the the most classic, right? Like Frida Kahlo and Paulo Picasso. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like my middle school art teacher who had the biggest impression on me, she would always talk about Paulo Picasso. So I loved her. And of course, whatever she loved, I loved. So I was like, yeah, like he's my favorite artist too. Yeah. I love his shape. So I would like recreate all his paintings. But I think what when I was a kid, what really inspired me more was like public art, even though I didn't know who made it. Uh But in South Florida, I mean, like there were murals everywhere and graffiti. And like, I was really interested in like the shapes and the colors I was seeing. Like I think like around that time I decided to pick up on like graffiti text like I, I never went out to do any of that but I like would write <laughs> like, in bubble letters and like mm-hmm. pre- and like color it in like it was spray painted yeah and like some of them came out pretty good even like the block letters like I really really crafty at it but um yeah like there were like that was probably like that like the public art and the street art I saw and then like Pablo Picasso like I was like yeah like those were my first inspiration when I was like a kid <laughs> Yeah. I love that. I love hearing how your mind sort of 
worked or how you process street art? Because I think so often, you know, people see it as like, oh, you're defacing property or there's all, you know, there's all these kind of negative stigmas about it. And so to hear somebody who sees that and goes, oh, let me actually study these shapes or think about how these things fit together. That's just... Um, you know, speaks to the artist that was already budding and, and building within you, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, I actually, I, I love street art. I sometimes still, like, I, I got into, like, we pacing, which is, like, when you take a piece of paper and you, like, glue it on surfaces. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, with or without permission, I've done it. <laughs> and then I also do installations. These are installations where I, like, paint on different curtains or fabrics and then I like hang them on fences um, on developers property Um, and I I was doing that all summer last summer Uh so yeah there's a couple pieces I did one was definitely inspired by immigration rights Mm -hmm. I I drew like someone kind of like floating in the sky and I wrote you belong Mm -hmm. Um, my friend my friend went out with me I think the next day like there was a huge it was on like yeah this abandoned like land surrounded in a fence right it's like gonna be sold to build condos or whatever Uh but the space is like it has this huge wall like I put I remember I put that up and then like I think like two days later like the whole back wall was like covered in graffiti and it was like during the black lives matter movement and like people wrote to respect black lives and like my friend and we like said like oh my god we just like started this whole art wall (laughs) i love that yeah awesome but then yeah and then there was a couple other ones i collaborated with like this community garden in my neighborhood Uh and there was a developer's land who was just being real snooty trying to buy like their property and like he like took up this land that was for sale but like that whole neighborhood used it to plant like the gardens and like they planted like kale and tomatoes but mm-hmm. he like he fenced up um he like just fenced up just the garden beds not even the lot it was just the garden bed and he wow. put a lock on it so the people couldn't access like their kale and their vegetables or whatever they wanted like he just was being super petty so then I went out and I heard that story I went out and I put this um I did these curtain series around these fences and row not for sale but yeah like I mean these are all like street art approaches like where you don't ask for permission which is fine yeah. have you ever gotten in um, trouble for any of those no I'm from Philly like <laughs> I don't care like we're not like street art is not their biggest concern yeah. um, right I have friends though who have been arrested like but okay. they were always not in Philly they were like in New York or something and I'm Got like it. what Interesting. yeah but yeah here they're very supportive about public art okay um, yeah because I feel like it takes a certain level of like guts to do that and, yeah. and to actually get out there and do something like that and it's a bold choice to make and so right. I was you know oh, curious yeah. about that but yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I never, I, I tell my students I do stuff like this, but my first thing is always like, don't do it alone. Don't do it unless like you're ready to take these risks. Right. Because you could get in trouble. But my advice is always the same. And I'll say this to anyone. I'm like, the first time I did like any form of street art, I went with someone who had experience uh-huh. and they kind of took me under their wing and like we learned about like, you know, which are the respectable places mm-hmm. to put up your art like you're not going to do it on someone's house or right. you know like a school <laughs> you know you're gonna do it on you know maybe some abandoned buildings or something maybe something more eco-friendly like we pace is like eco-friendly like it washes away after a while you could use chalk you know a bunch of stuff I tell that to the young kids I'm like you know just be smart 
mm-hmm. how you approach these things. But definitely you need a mentor. Right. So, number one. You know, like, don't go out there by yourself. Well, that's something that, uh, you know, really spoke and to me in particular as I was like um, viewing your art is you do approach um, a lot of your pieces through this racial justice and advocacy and activism type of lens. So tell us a little bit more about how you decide what subjects that you want to tackle through your art. Yeah, that was a tough one to answer. because like obviously like every day you turn on the news like there's something horrible happening it's like affecting everybody's it seems like it's affecting like basic human rights at this point yeah yeah like I think the way I approach these these types of artworks like where where it like focuses on social justice um I just think of my art kind of like a safe space because it is kind of draining to see what's happening all around us and yeah like I don't know I try to use my art to kind of bring light to dark situations to kind of give a sense of hope so you can keep going and keep doing um you know keep advocating or doing the good fight not to give up, right? right. And I, I feel like I talk a lot about what is happening. I try not to like skip on some stuff, but sometimes I do need to take breaks because it's just like impossible to keep up with every single thing. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But if I'm not making art, it's not that I'm not talking about it either. So I think like sometimes, yeah, like, you know, I might not make a piece of art talking about an issue, but, you know, it's not that I'm not like discussing it or even like spreading awareness using someone else's art. Yeah. But yeah, I choose things that, you know, that is kind of like where, I mean, almost all of it feels like it's kind of like it's, it's affecting me, like the climate, the over-policing, food insecurity, you know, housing crisis. Like, I feel like in some ways, like I see it in my neighborhood, like it's part of my community. I work with the community as a teacher. Mm -hmm. A lot of very real things have been said in my art class. Right. Where, you know, some people don't feel like they have a voice to say what they want to say. And I think, you know, art, again, like I mentioned in the beginning, like it is a form of communication. You know, I, I make the piece of art. I try to encourage others to create, to say what needs to be said. Um, and then again, to foster like a sense of, you know, hope, you know, to give a feeling like to give like a sense of like safe space. Yeah. That's kind of like what how I try to approach all these things with my art. It's like have a safe space during these very difficult times. Yeah. I love that that statement about using it to give people a voice. I think that is such a needed thing these these days. And especially in communities of color where, like you said, we're raised with these values often sometimes. And I, I think it comes from a well-meaning place, but our parents sort of teach us that you know suck it up deal with it don't be mm-hmm. um you know somebody who's going to speak up too much and attract attention that you don't need to be attracting and you know things like that and so it's a pretty powerful thing to be able to you know like our podcast is called the take back to really be able to take back those spaces and that agency and be able to um you know use the medium that you have to not only express your own voice but to give other people a voice too mm-hmm. that's you know that's what i love about being an artist myself and what we love about being creatives and so it's it's cool to see that in your work and to hear that that's a value for you as well yeah i think art is a good tool yeah you know to 
create some kind of social change. I think it does start a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had people reach out to me saying that they've never thought about this until they kept seeing my work. Mm -hmm. Um, People who knew me for years and knew I was an artist, but you know, I think social media has really helped me out a lot as an artist, but also has helped me to you know share what I care about and folks have told me like yeah I did not care about immigration rights until I saw what you said um until I saw you did you know like different things like that you know like they said they just didn't think about it right and yeah my hope is like you know as an artist and as someone who works with the community you know that hopefully like you know these conversations can be more normalized and like not caring Uh can look a little taboo you know like people who don't care like that could be like why are you not caring you know like that's weird but yeah yeah, like and also hopefully to take action in some Mm -hmm. way or another art you know yeah it is an image you know or um sometimes it could be something 3d right as right. well but like i've used it to create like race funds you know i've been a part of a lot of benefit shows and mm. i've sold postcards and stickers to raise funds for different mutual aid but yeah like i think it's it's a really cool tool you, like going into being an artist i think you don't really expect it to like see its true power until like you're really in it like right. playing with creating and you know what you care about can become something um you can really see the change you're making with this passion mm-hmm. yeah well, it's so cool to hear how your artwork has kind of opened people's eyes to some issues that are happening within your community and beyond and how that moved them, how that spoke to them or got them to see things through a different light or through a different lens. But, you know, similar with like any type of creative work, sometimes we get the opposite response, right? Where either people get offended or they say that we're being either too political or too preachy. Have you ever encountered interactions like that? And if so, how do you address it? What do you do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't really, you know, I don't know what happened, but I'm one of the lucky ones. I don't think I get that much hate. It's usually just a comment like it's nothing ridiculous I I don't really have time to argue with certain folks so if I do get comments like that that are very heartless and so I just view it like I just know like I'm like this person is heartless like no matter what you say or do they've made up their mind that they've made up their mind about how they feel about this but they're not the ones I'm trying to reach to be honest there are people who are good people but they just you know maybe like don't want like they maybe they don't know how to understand or they don't know like they're kind of like in this middle phase like they're like like they don't see it affects them but also like those folks yeah maybe I also make art for them maybe but like I ultimately just make it for my people for people who need to feel safe and feel hopeful like that's really why I started it started with for my community first and then it really became this larger thing like where I wanted to really reach people who who I need to hold space for. Right. Yeah. So if I do get hateful comments, which I like I said, I don't really get them that often. I think my art is reaching the people it needs to reach. Yeah. Um, so I feel very lucky. Like I joke about it all the time with my art friends. I'm like, man, I get no hate. Some of my friends do though. Yeah. <laughs> like they, yeah. And I just and I'm just like, wow, people, too many people like too many people like my art. <laughs> but, I was like, maybe I do need to be more edgy. But anyway, if I get hateful comments, but like, 
ignore it. Right. Like the only people I should be trying to educate at this point is just young people. Like right. that's how I was like, I'm not going to educate a grown adult who like has made up their mind. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not really here to no, but I um, love that's such educate a, them. That's such a good response, though, because it seems like what I'm getting from that is like, you know who your target audience is and it's like these people are just kind of like white noise and you're just like, why why even waste your time or your energy when you know that you've got so many people that are, you know, either being inspired or moved by your work? I actually really love that response. And I think it speaks oh, yeah. to your self-worth as well. You know, I think you have to have a sense of self-worth and confidence to say, I'm just not going to entertain that because I don't have time for it. And I value myself too much to sit here and let that stuff tear me down. And I think, you know, artists can be really temperamental. And sometimes we get really in our heads about things. And we have a tendency to struggle with things like imposter syndrome. And so some of that negative feedback can really, you know, shape us in a not so positive way. So I love that you've kind of arrived at this place where you're saying, yeah, I'm not going to let this stuff affect me. I know who I'm creating for and who my work is ultimately meant to impact. And I'm just going to keep focusing on them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to talk to you about, you know, what is involved when you are establishing your brand. Because one thing that we noticed when we were viewing your art is that you have a really unique visual style. And, um, you know, you use bold colors, you use high contrast, you have these kind of organic, whimsical lines and shapes that show up. And, of course, the tropical color schemes and, and imagery that shows up in a lot of your artwork. And, um, you know, you talked a little bit about how your experience of where you grew up shaped that. And, you know, I think one thing that we really noticed is all just even looking at like your Instagram feed, we were like, this is so distinctly you. We could just, you know, I feel like now that I've seen a bunch of your pieces, if I was out somewhere and I saw it, I would immediately go, that's Manuela. That's that's her thing. And so, you know, how did you get to that point? What did you do to kind of establish and create that visual brand for yourself and identify, you know, these are some thematic elements that I want to constantly be pulling into my art pieces. Yeah, the style or a staple style, right? Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that takes um, years mm -hmm. to want to, you know, like where, one where like you feel content in doing and doing for a while. I think my style has changed throughout the years. I don't show my old work because it's archived now. Okay. I mean, some people will look at it and be like, yeah, you could tell it's the same artist because like, I think the color scheme was always there. Mm -hmm. I like to think I have a sophisticated taste in color. And I think that's because I have a painter background. Like I, like I would spend hours mixing paint before I even painted. Like sometimes that was just a day and then like, then the next day I'll paint. Yeah. But yeah, style, like it's changed for me. You know, when I went to college, like some of my earlier works, um, the, especially the one I did about my family background, like mm -hmm. um, it did have organic shapes. There was like a lot of patterns. Like I was really into like doing like all these patterns inside these geometric shapes. Mm -hmm. And it was very dreamy. So I think I still kept that like where now my work looks almost like whimsical, magical in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like to feel content in the work you make. You know, sometimes you think like my last style, I called it like the tropical vision series. Like I was like making a very specific, like where everything was like geometric shapes, tropical plants, like floating in the air. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be my, this is going to be my style. This is the one I'm going to stick with. Back then those were just all paintings. Hmm. But I like one day invested in an iPad and I was like, oh, I'm going to get into graphic art. Just 
because I wanted to make a coloring book. I think that was what I was trying to get into. Uh-huh. Cool. And uh, yeah, I was like, I'm going to, as a kid, I was hand drawing the coloring book and I was like, oh, I'm going to make copies of these, like very DIY. And uh, yeah, it's also funny because like, I also was like, I would never get it. Like during that time, I, I remember like, when I, especially because I was a painter, I, I went to school for painting. I didn't think I would ever get into graphic art. I was like, I'm going to, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm going to like be a painter forever. And I, I am, I'm still a painter forever. Sure. Still painting. But um, it's my graphic that really gained a lot of popularity. Yeah. But yeah, I got into graphic art because I wanted to le- create a coloring book. And it was inspired by like the women in my, I was surrounded by and inspired by my community. And like, mm-hmm. especially like the black and brown community. I was like, this is what I want yeah. to make. I want to make a coloring book of like my friends and family. I got into digital art. And the work back then, eventually for me, started feeling a little too formulated. Like it was like too clean, too graphic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like very graphic. Um, And I didn't like it after a while. Um, And I I think I missed the elements of painting where I just were painting. Like for me, like I have an idea and then you just start painting and then it like goes a different direction. And I think with digital art, sometimes when it gets too formulated and too Mm -hmm. perfect, where there has to be a perfect triangle, you know, because you could do that. You could just three right. little points and then like, boom, you got a perfect triangle in like a second. Right. But I was like, I, I was like, I don't want to do that. I want my art to have like a very human touch to it, even mm-hmm. if it is graphic art. Mm-hmm. So everything I do is still hand drawn. I think with doing these organic color or these organic shapes and these um, like tropical colors, like you know, it's still kind of like, I still like pull inspiration from my, my early painting days. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when I was really into series, like I used to make all these different series because I was trying to get into the gallery world, okay. but, um, it didn't work out, but okay. I was like, um, I still pull from that. Like I try to go through series, even like my work. Yeah. Like maybe if you could tell it's like the same person that made it, but sometimes right. I will be like, you know what? I want to try using a lot of blues. I'm not afraid to try different colors. Like these days, it seems like every, you go on anybody's Instagram page, everybody's like, we got to keep it one solid color. But me, I'm like, I don't know, today I'm going to use black and white. Tomorrow I'm going to try pink and green. I will. And then I was like, and I'm going to do purple and blue. You know, like, I'm not afraid of switching it up and like, I can't believe you think I'm on brand. Some people have told me I should talk to a brand person. I don't know. But <laughs> I, yeah, like my style it is as random and organic maybe <laughs> like in a way but at the same time i don't know it's rooted in what i've always known yeah which is like painting it's cool to see that you haven't lost that organic you know colorful sort of approach that you would use as a painter in your graphic design as well yeah, yeah for sure yeah so, Manuela, one of the things that you had mentioned earlier was that your kind of artwork has really picked up a lot within, you know, the social media realm and um, the communities there. And what's so cool as we like got to know a little bit you about more about you and your artwork is that you've worked not only within your community, but your artwork has been picked up by some pretty big brands, you know, for example, like Old Navy and Disney Plus. So, you know, where I'm just so curious to hear more about, first of all, like, how do those opportunities come about? And then, you know, your decision and figuring out who it is that you want to work with as a client. 
Yeah, I've always worked with community. I think more than anything, yeah. it's always been really important to me. And it, I think always will be, you know, when I, I, I mentioned earlier about, but like when I was going to school for painting, I was trying to get in the, in like the gallery art world. Right. And I did everything I needed, right. To do, like I, I made connections with my professors. I interned for some or, these art organizations. I even went to like New York and met some pretty neat curators. But that world, it just was not wholesome. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it lacked wholesome. <laughs> and I had one time I got invited to this, like I got invited to this party in Soho. And, you know, my friend and I, you know, my friend and I were invited. He's a sculptor and I'm a painter. Mm-hmm. And we were both going to school in Jersey. And I remember like we were both like, oh, my gosh, these people are. I was like, I don't know. It was just a, it was like the the atmosphere. They were just like. I don't know, real yuppie or something. Yeah. And then yeah. these three, and then these, like, literally, like, the one curator, like, had money, like, it, like, folded up in paper airplanes as an installation in his house, like, a huge one. Wow. wow. We're like, they, they were like, everybody there was rich. Okay. It was Soho. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. What are we doing here? Um, <laughs> so, like, then these street artists, walk in and I remember being able to breathe after talking to them yeah like I was like oh these are the people right and yeah like um working with community work again it's wholesome I think it's always gonna be important (laughs) and it's also where I feel like I could breathe easily yeah but it's funny now that I'm getting noticed by these bigger brands and I've actually have had other brands reach out, bigger ones that I shall not name, and that I have turned down. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted to align with my values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also my worth, you know. Old Navy is really great. Like they are really great listeners. So, like whenever I have any concerns or the message I'm trying to relay, and like they've been very supportive. I've worked with them already twice. Also with yeah, like Disney Plus, same thing. Like they were open to what I wanted to say about my past. So I think brands right now are really open to listening to, you know, artists Mm -hmm. and maybe influencers who make work that's very cultured or community based. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think all you got to do is like share your needs because that's a need, you know, like I don't think I want the flashy photos and like the quick and easy way to make a buck, you know, with, right. you know, like, oh, you know, like buy this because I, you know, I was told to say it right? Yeah. versus like, I've talked to them and I'm like, yeah, like, what if I made an art piece that looked like this? And this is what it means to me. And they're just like, yeah, we love it. And we're going to give you this platform to say that. So I think it seems like more companies right now are really open to, to that. Um, it's not just it's not just about the arts it's also about the artists that's Mm. the other thing I'm noticing because anyone who looks at my work can be like well there's more talented artists I'm you know I'm like yeah that that's true but yeah like it's also about the artists like what message is being told what story is being told you know what's the intent um and I think now and in the past and forever like people you know can't separate the two you know the art and the artist Mm. so yeah, I think with these companies when and brands want to work with people, like they look into it all, not just how talented a person could be, but yeah. like 
who they are, right? What they give off, right? To the world, what they share. Mm-hmm. Also, I tell that to the young people because they don't believe me. I'm like, hey, I say, you could be talented, but if you're a mean person, <laughs> like, no one's going to want to work with you. That's true. It's so, so true. I was like, don't stop being bullies to right. each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that response is so good because it goes back to you are a person that you know what your values are and where you want to invest your time. And it's so clear. It's with your community. And one of the things that stood out to me as you submitted your bio to our podcast was that you're an art teacher. And I know Jess and I can speak from our own experiences as creatives of the teachers and the adults in our lives growing up that inspired us to be where we're at now. So can you tell us just like, what's it like to be an educator of art, um, specifically for the next generation? Yeah, you know, this generation, oh my gosh, they're amazing. I don't know how old you are. I didn't ask, but I'm a millennial. So um, are we. We are too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I didn't know. It's like, because it seems like everyone's Gen Z on TikTok. Because anyway, <laughs> that's how we met. That's how you found me, I think. Right. Anyway. Yeah. This generation, man, they impressed me so much. Like, I wasn't like them. People like around me weren't like them. Right. Like, they're openly like, they're like, hey, like, you know, like, I like, this is what I care about. Like, these are the social movements I care about. I'm also like gay. And also these are my pronouns. Don't get it twisted. Like they'll tell you to your face. And I'm like, damn, kid, that's amazing. <laughs> I love how comfortable you are. And I'm like, I'm an ally. I'm like, we're good. This, this is a place you could say all yeah. this. And it's like, it's made my art lessons because I've always made art lessons that um, isn't just like I joke about this. I hope no one gets offended. But like, I'm not a Pinterest art teacher. And like, mm. <laughs> Like where I make them all paint and draw the same thing. Like yeah. it's it's not even about the craftsmanship. It's about the story. So my students and I dive into these heavy topics. You know, the young people in my class are only 11 and 12 years old, but they're, they have a lot to say. They're also Latinx kids, like, or Latina kids where they, the girls have mentioned that you know, their family tells them that their body should look a certain way, uh-huh. that they don't feel entitled to their body. The kids, even the boys and girls in the class and the non-binary kids were like, they tell us what to wear. We don't get to say what we wear on our body, in our school, in our home. And like, they had a lot to say. Yeah. And I think if you get young people the platform to share their thoughts, they will not disappoint. Sometimes they teach me. Yeah. You know, I love that. School. Yeah. Sometimes they teach me too. Yeah. I think my job is like, a teacher an art, an art teacher is you know to give them that safe space to express themselves I like to make very thoughtful lessons mm-hmm. where it's not just we're making this piece of art but we're gonna have these discussions because you know sometimes it's not always talked about in the classes yeah you know because mm-hmm. sometimes the academic classes have to teach the academic stuff so that they pass their tests you right. know so sometimes they don't always have time to talk about these things some teachers are really good at doing that but you know sometimes some teachers can't yeah. Um, my school is very, very impressive. Like the teachers we have are all very young hmm. and um, very progressive. So uh, sometimes I think we're all in the same wavelength or something. Cause like I taught them about Taino history and we talked about the symbols and we made, I, I taught them how, you know, we made, um, these little paintings, all these different Taino symbols. And it meant a lot to them because they're Puerto Rican, uh-huh. Dominican mm-hmm. children. And they're like, oh, we didn't learn about this in elementary school. And then they they go to social studies and then they come back the next day and they're like, oh my God, we just learned about this in so cool. social studies. Or they're like, 
I got to tell Miss, you know, you know, the teacher that in art, we learned that certain words in Spanish are Akitaino words. And I'm like, oh, cool. So it like, yeah, they're like connecting the dots. I love that. Yeah. And they're, they're, some of them remember, some of them are always like, that some kids have told me, they're like, man, they don't teach us this in social studies. What is this? Why are you teaching it in art? And they're like confused. And I'm like, because this is my class. This is how I run it. Yeah. But yeah, the young people, yeah. But when you, I'm telling you, when you ask them the questions, they'll, they'll answer. Right. They'll answer. So Manuela, where are the best places for our listeners to go if they want to support your artwork and maybe purchase a piece or just, you know, interact more with the content that you are putting out? Yeah, so you can, um, if you want to support the art journey, the first thing you can do is like follow me on Instagram or TikTok. Um, I'm on all the socials, but it's Lazy Beam Arte. Okay. Um, I'm, I also have an online shop, which is lazybeamarte.com. And I have a Patreon where I send out monthly gifts and I make monthly coloring sheets and other digital goods. Um, and that's also Lazy Beam Arte on Patreon. Okay. Perfect. And we'll be sure to include all of that in our show notes so that our listeners can check it out. Hey, thank you. We're going to move into our final segment, which I'm going to hand off to my lovely co-host here, and she's going to tell you how it works. So our final segment is called The Final Five in Five, where we will be asking five questions. And the hope and the goal is to answer with under five minutes. So are you ready, Manuela? Sure. All right. (laughs) All right. What's currently inspiring your creativity? So this could either be something that you're reading, you're listening to, places that you've been, people. So curious to hear. Yeah, so I I do like listening to a lot of audiobooks when I'm going on walks. I'm reading, I'm listening, we're listening to a couple books on uh, Indigenous stories. And I think it's really nice because I'm also like spending more time in the garden. Like I have this little patio and I've been planting this little urban garden. I'm very proud of it. Like my seeds are growing. Um, So right now gardening has been an inspiration. Yeah. And then, yeah, just being outside. Like I think just really like trying to like look at the sky and like really pay attention to like the colors and the clouds and you know, the different flowers that are blooming and the different colors of leaves that are sprouting. I don't know. I've been trying to like be more aware of that. And it has helped with um, adding more different colors to my palette. Yeah. And like, and matching colors. Yeah. Love that. So you do this thing on TikTok and Instagram called the daily slowdown. Um, What's one daily slowdown tip that you have for our listeners? Oh yeah. The daily slowdown. Um, yeah, man, my therapist was telling me I need to do more of that. So I started doing it. Um, so I like to do something where um, I think right now it's like drinking different teas has been something to slow down. Um, I like to go to the Asian market and buy loose leaf peas and I like to blend them and make different kinds. Ooh, and that nice. has been really nice, like, like almost like a whole meditation practice. Yeah, like I have, I'm like, it's kind of crazy. Like I have a whole, I have like two shelves full of tea, like long shelves. Like I just like put shelves in my, on my wall and it's just covered in teas. And I feel like a witch, like just putting them all together. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm like roses and jasmine. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to mix this in here. I'm going to cut up this chamomile and I'm like mixing it in hot water. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drink this. So my daily slowdown is like drinking different kinds of teas. Cool. Love that. And everyone should do that. Everyone should mix teas. If you could summarize your art in five words, what words would you choose? 
in five words. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one would be safe space. And uh, or the first two words, right? So one word. But yeah, safe space, uh, connecting to Madre Tierra. Oh, love that. Love that. Um, it might be more than five words. Um, favorite place that you've created street art? Where is it? Um, it's gonna, I think it's gonna always be Inglesia Garden. It's a community garden in North Philly and they're, they're doing, they're doing grassroots work, like really important work, um, where they're trying to keep the locals, people of the community to keep their land, their homes, Mm -hmm. their lots, because there's something called a land bank in Philly. And if if there's an empty lot and abandoned building, any kind of land, they like buy it and sell it to developers. And mm-hmm. this community garden has done the most important work to try to have people own their lands, the neighbors, where it's not like being sold to these developers. Um, and most of these lands that are they're using is, you know, to create some kind of food sovereignty, to have gardens for the community. So I've done street art for them, and I've done two pieces for them. One in protest to the developer who decided to lock up garden beds yeah. so mm. i think that's gonna that's probably one of my most favorite yeah one of my most favorite street art and i also think it's because of the it's really the people who they were the ones who told me their stories yeah that that made that inspired me to create these pieces and uh final question um what uh women of color business or brand would you recommend to our listeners um so i just bought some things from la tienda I think their Instagram is Latienda underscore 101. And yeah, they, uh, it, well, it, it's this woman who sells a bunch of secondhand goods and goes to like estate sales and thrift stores and, you know, sells it to the public. But like, she is so wholesome. Like she, she's not those kind of like thrift shop owners who finds a sweater and sells it for like $200. Right. Like she sells it at a reasonable price for the community. It's mm-hmm. yeah. She's also Mexican, she's Latina, and just like her whole page is a lot of fun. So yeah, like she's something definitely somebody I support. Well, Manuela, thank you so much for you know taking some time um, and talking with us. I'm so excited to hear just the work that you're doing through your art and the way that you're engaging and giving back to your community. It's really, really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Is there anything last sort of words of advice or encouragement or inspiration that you want to share with our listeners? I think it's to whatever creative form you're using right now, like use it to tell your story because you never know who it's going to reach and resonate with. Also, I think this is the best way to kind of bridge communities a little bit closer so we don't feel so distant, especially Mm -hmm. here. In the U.S., where being an individual is like pride, but like I disagree with that. Like I think mm-hmm. it's about community. It's about right. connecting ultimately, and I think the only way we're going to get there is if we tell a story, and it yeah. could be with our words or it can be with what we make. That's excellent advice, and we could not agree more. This is a conversation that and Helika and I have often, and so we definitely agree with you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Cool. So that was Manuela Guillen, and she's amazing. I feel like every guest we talk to, I just, I'm always so inspired when we get to the end of a conversation because they're so amazing, all of these women. They are. It's really cool to hear just how they are engaging not only their craft, but taking it back into the spaces that they're in and, and or taking back, right? Taking back, right? 
Um, so yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Be sure to check out her social media and her website. And of course, go and buy her artwork. We want you to do that. That would be amazing if we could support her in that way. And that brings us to the end of yet another episode on the Take Back podcast. So thanks for joining us and be sure to check out our website, which is the Take Back podcast com where you can also subscribe to our mailing list and you can also follow us on social media especially instagram at the take back podcast and then of course we are always 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 searching for other women of color guests to be on our show and so if you're a woman of color creative with a compelling story that you want to share with us um, come hang out we want to talk to you we want to interview you we want to get your voice out there and and share it with the world and so you can message us on our website or drop us a dm on instagram and we would absolutely love to connect with you and as always to our listeners thank you for making this show possible and joining us week after week to hear these incredible stories Please make sure that you share this with your friends so that we can continue spreading the word about this show and also leave us a review wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again for joining us and we will see you next time. Want to be a creative revolutionary with us? Visit thetakebackpodcast.com to learn more.